Welcome to the One O'ahu Podcast. I'm Brandi Higa, and today is Thursday, February 16th, 2023. And joining us this week is the Executive Director for the Mayor's Office of Culture and the Arts, Makanani Salah. Makanani, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Brandi. So nice to be here. You know, when people think about city government, they think about HPD, customer services with the DMV, um, DPP, even parks. We don't hear too much about MOCA. So tell us, what does your office do? Yeah, 100%. I think when we think of the city, it's always about hard services, right? Sewer, roads, things like that. But MOCA, um, our job is really to make sure that life in the city, kind of like parks, is enriched by art, by culture, by events. Is this job what you thought it would be? Not at all. <laughs> I think... Um, you know, administratively, we're attached to the mayor's office, so we get to see a lot more of the inside that is happening at, you know, at the very ground level as what's happening throughout the city. And that's one of the things I appreciate the most is knowing the depth of the services the city provides. What was previously responsibility of customer services under previous administrations was handed over to you about two years ago. I'm talking about Honolulu City Lights, and I'd imagine that was long days, minimal sleep, planning the largest Christmas event on island? You know, luck, well, not luckily for us, but uh, because of COVID, uh, our first City Lights was actually toned down, which was nice. So we got sort of training wheels for the first year, but this past year was our first full-out, full-on City Lights. And it was it was literal craziness. I mean, from the block party to the parade to the, the month-long event to all of the city departments. Uh, but I was really proud because the city departments and the community comes out on force to assure that our whole island has a, has a great time for Christmas. One of the mayor's priorities is revitalizing Chinatown. And Chinatown comes with kind of its own organic art piece to it, right? So with issues like the downtown art center and using that space well, uh, music in the park that we just started up. Can you talk about what, uh, the role your office has played in making Chinatown really vibrant? Yeah, our office really works with a lot of community organizations because, as you know, Chinatown is full of people who have been there for many, many years doing a ton of events. Um, so Downtown Arts Center is just one. We have the Hawaii Theater. We have the Arts Alliance is headed down there. Uh, Hawaii Symphony Orchestra is uh, headquartered out of the Hawaii Theater. So, I mean, it's really a center of art. So what we want to do is help them to do what they already do naturally and to offer more spaces and opportunity for them um, to provide our citizens more opportunity to engage in the arts. And one of the reasons we thought you'd be a perfect fit to come on the podcast now is because February is Mahina Olala Hawaii, Hawaiian Language Month. Uh, what's on tap for this year? Well, we have a ton of things on tap. And actually, we just finished a set of two Hawaiian language courses. Uh, we're really proud of that. We partnered with Ehoopili Mai, uh, who is Kahanuola Solitario, and we did free language courses on Zoom we will also be bringing back a Hawaiian language song competition contest. So it was done uh, by Parks and Rec back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Uh, it, it sort of went fallow for a while, and we want to bring it back but give it a new life because uh, there is a way higher number of Hawaiian language speakers now. There's Hawaiian language in all of the schools, so we want to open it up to allow amateur songwriters to jump in and, and you know tell their stories of Hawaii through song. You mentioned the Hawaiian language classes for the public... There's also language classes for city workers that you brought in last year. Are those kind of similar? Uh, yeah, they are similar, but the city, the city courses are really uh, based on trying to get city workers who have the opportunity to use language every day to uh, up their skills. So, for example, Department of Permitting and Planning, they are making maps. They are um, 
participating in street signs, as is DFM, a facility maintenance, who actually prints the street signs. So for people to have a very um, ground-level understanding of Hawaiian is super important to them doing their jobs well. Uh, I attended some of the city classes, and then you can see it on the social media videos that you post on MOCA's pages, um, where city workers are, are up on their feet, they're clapping, they're singing the hakalama. For those that don't know, um, can you explain what the hakalama is and, and why that exercise was so important for these classes? Yeah, so I actually come from an education background, so I've been teaching at the university for, for quite a while. So I think anytime we can get people to do this experiential learning process, which is to sing and to coordinate um, things that we need you to remember with a song, it helps you to, to internalize. So the hakalama is a syllabary which was developed uh, by the Ahapunana Leo in order to teach preschoolers basically uh, literacy. So you learn hakalama na pa va'a, and once you memorize all of the syllabary, you can put together these sounds to create full words. And what does that sound like? <laughs> and it's like a <laughs> clapping thing and if you go back to the video you can see people love it i mean it's a little bit difficult to get adults to do it sometimes but if we're all making a fool of ourselves at the same time like we all have fun and that's one of the main things that i want to impart in hawaiian language is it should be fun like you sh when you're learning a language you have to make a mistake in order to get it right so it's a safe space for you to try it out and us to all learn from each other uh, you mentioned the Hawaiian Song Competition, Word on the Street also back, and it's highlighted during Hawaiian Language Month. Um, can you talk about the progress that you guys have made in that campaign? Yeah, Word on the Street was uh, just a super fun campaign we did last year, which was to help normalize usage of okina and kahako, and not just that, um, correct spelling of Hawaiian language words. And I, I liken it to if, if King Street was spelled wrong, we would all know and nobody would stand for it. So we should assure that if we have a street called Uluohia, we spell it correctly so that everyone knows what the street is about and what it's named for. And how did that come about? How did that campaign start? You know, one day we were driving outside of Kapolehale and I noticed Uluohia street sign was spelled wrong. So I thought, oh, that's not great. We should try and change that. Then we got to the following corner and it was spelled wrong again, but in a different way. So we drove to the next corner and then it was spelled wrong in another different way. So just down one street, we found Uluohia spelled or different ways. One of them was correct, though, which was great. Was there any one street sign that was just, you almost could not believe your eyes? It was spelled terribly incorrect. Oh, 100%. It was Kapole, but it was not Uluohia. Across street to Uluohia was called Alakahavai. And Alakahavai just means um, like a path of water or the way of water. It had Okina next to consonants. And if you know Hawaiian language, Okina actually count as consonants, so you can't have two consonants next to each other. So that I mean, that one definitely uh, tripped me out a little bit because there's no markings at all in Kahawai. So we are putting them there. I'm not <laughs> sure why, but they were there. So that's probably the one that sticks out the most in my mind. Can you give us other examples of, of street signs that were incorrect, maybe in other parts of the island? You know, there's there's actually some interesting ones. Um, and one of them is, is Pau Street or, or Pau Street in Waikiki. In, in Waikiki. Right. And it's one of those things. Sometimes we don't know. Right, what what the streets what the street name should be. So we have to go back and find stories that are like, why would it be Pau or why would it be Pau? Is it because the canoe races happened in Alawai and they ended there, so it was Pau Street, as in the races Pau, or is it Pau, as in the Pau parades that used to go down Kalakaua? So that's one of those you just gotta dig into the archives. And there have been cases where I just have to make my best guess, and I think like people, it's okay. You get as much information as you can and you do what you can 
And at least for us, our position is in the absence of, you know, a, a very good decision, we will stick to no diacriticals because we're not going to try and make it something it's not. Um, but if there is a way for us to determine that this is the correct spelling, um, then we go with it. So you know the language, you can recognize it. You're, maybe your staff as well. But for the public, what was the, did they respond? I guess, what was the response rate like? We actually had a ton of people respond. I think the biggest complaint was we asked people to submit pictures and it's quite hard to submit pictures while you're driving and we don't want anybody to use their right. phone and drive. So, phone uh, so once we, uh, we set it so that people could submit via Google Drive, they could just let us know what's the street, uh, what the intersection was. That was great because they could just submit there. But a lot of people, it was the street that they lived on or the street that their kid's school was on. Or, you know, this street was named after my great-great-grandfather and it's not spelled right. Or maybe in some cases it didn't even have a sign. Uh, so I think the biggest thing was that people actually started to pay attention because we started to pay attention to it. Okay, so not just the names that were spelled wrong. There were some that didn't have a sign and then you went in there and kind of helped put a sign where it needed to be, looked at what it was supposed to say and, and helped that. Yeah, we, you know, we want to make sure we actually got a ton that were not just Hawaiian language, but people who were like, my sign is faded. I can't even see what my street name is. Uh, so, you know, it yeah. what started as just a Hawaiian language project became sort of widespread and, and so many departments got involved in a lot of the community. And that's all we really want, right, is to help civic engagement in government. And this is a great example. Uh, so you mentioned all of the events going on. How can people get more information or if they want to sign up for a class, how can they find that information? Yeah, we have a website, honolulumoka.org. You can follow us on Instagram at HNL underscore mocha. And we post all of our things on there. We also host an event calendar that talks about, um, like you said, music in the park. We post any kind of events that are held on city grounds, like Korean Festival, for example. There is a moon festival, um, concerts, all those things we promote. But I know that your work isn't just planning and art. When it comes to some of the more difficult issues your office deals with, uh, helping artists and businesses coming out of the pandemic, um, Kapai Mahu also comes to mind. What are some of the challenges that your office faces? Well, I think definitely the most difficult is going to be cultural issues, right? Because you have groups who come together and just cannot agree. And it's not as if, you know, when we have math and science things that there is usually a black and white answer. In culture, it's never like that. So you have these two really passionate groups who come together and have different narratives and have different, you know, agreements on who is right and, and who is wrong. And probably they're both right. And so to come to an agreement is probably the most difficult thing. So to look at these two groups, generally Hawaiian groups who are, who are sort of fighting over one issue, is hard because they both have such a deep-seated belief in what they stand for. And our job is to sort of help them come to a place where everyone is okay, and that's really our goal. I want to jump now to a couple measures introduced at the ledge this session. Uh, State Rep. Diamond Garcia introduced House Bill 157, which proposes to make Native Hawaiian language a required course. Do you support that measure? I love it. I think it's great. And if you think about it, uh, fourth graders in elementary school get a little Hawaiian culture. There's a little kupuna program, but it's really just retooling that to make it about language. And through language, you learn so much culture. So to me, they're one and the same. So I absolutely support it because, again, if you live here and you don't speak any Hawaiian, you don't even understand a little iota, you're missing so much about the richness of what Hawaii has to offer the entire world. I don't know if it's just me, but I remember growing up, or maybe even 20 years ago, 
um, there were songs on the radio, like on FM 100, were, that were in Hawaiian, like Robi Kahakalao's um, Pi Mai Kanalu. That's right. I don't know if you remember Leon and Malia. I totally remember. They used to do the school tour. So exactly. But I feel like it, maybe this is just my imagination. That was more prevalent 20 years ago. Are resources like that still available now in the way that they were? I think so. I think, but they are more deeper, heavy Hawaiian language resources, right? Because where we were back then, Punanaleo had, you know, just started or they're pretty new. Yeah. So it was still kind of, but now Punanaleo is huge. You have the ability to study from preschool all the way to a doctorate in Hawaiian language. So we have the opportunity to help people really dive into language and, and support what they do. So there are opportunities, maybe like you said, I think we do less Personally, I think we do less in the DOE than, than we used to, but that might be also availability of resources. Now with the Office of Hawaiian Education, what they're trying to do is translate uh, standardized testing. So you can take all of the uh, emergent schools can take testing in Hawaiian, and that's a huge project. So we have to make sure that we also do offer things for the rest of the students who are not in Hawaiian language, also opportunities to take it. And for those who don't know who Leon and Malia are, if we just sound like I'm, I'm dating myself. They sing were the, the song, singing, sing the song, oh, Brandy. Well, well, what's your favorite Leon and Malia song? The Hokulea song. Hokulea is good. Yeah. Mine was the one about the fruits and the vegetables that had their own, um, they introduced themselves, you know. I'm Ulu, the breadfruit, I also can make poi. Yes. <laughs> um, but I feel like that was just, you know, I just remember that vividly Yeah. about 20 years ago. Another measure I want to ask you about is Senate Bill 16, introduced by Senator Carl Rhodes, um, that would require that Hawaiian or Olala Hawaii version of a law be held binding if the law in question was originally drafted in Hawaiian and then translated into English. I wasn't as familiar with this one. Do you think there are enough of these laws drafted in Hawaiian where something like this would be relevant today? Well, that's a great question. I think if the law was drafted in Hawaiian, we should absolutely mm -hmm revert back to the Hawaiian because we know there's a ton of translation issues, right? Things that we use in English, nothing ever translate directly to what it was in Hawaiian. Say for example, a word that means stream. We have one word, right? Stream is a stream, but in Hawaiian, there's all of these nuance. So what you might call as the border is a stream might actually have been just a little offshoot of an alway or a, a little taro patch, right? So all of a sudden we get into these land issues because you call it this, but we call it all, you know, all different things. So I think if it was drafted in Hawaii, we have to go to the letter of the law, which is Hawaii. Uh, are there any other measures you're keeping an eye on either across the street or yeah. here at Honolulu? <laughs> Actually, we're really excited that um, we're about to have letterhead and uh, office titles in Hawaiian. So my office has been working on that. We are coordinating with the counties to assure that as we start to uh, formalize each department and city title in Hawaiian, it's consistent across all of the counties. And we're really excited about that. What, what is that going to look like? Because I know the governor, the state has already kind of rolled out something like that with the Kia Aina title. What, is, yes. what are ours going to look like? Yes, yeah, so ours are going to be uh, very similar. So Department of Transportation Services. But the thing is, it all goes back to translation, right? So are you going to literally translate Department of Transportation Services? Or are you going to translate like the feeling of it, which is really they move people, and for us, that's the the thing that we're taking is we're trying to take what they do and put it into Hawaiian thought rather than just translate the words. So how do you determine that? Do you have a do you have like a group that you meet with or how do you determine that? Yeah, so we have I work with a couple of different translators who have uh, come out of the University of Hawaii. And so they do the first pass and then I bring it here to the city and then I do a pass with a little committee that we have put out and then 
actually, I've actually cleared the first pass with that committee. Now that's out to the counties and then we'll come back again, hash it through. And this is why things sometimes take really long in government, right? In order to make sure that we're doing our best to vet, we got to go out to everyone. So it's right now at the counties and we'll hui again when they're done and, you know, sort of hash it out and decide what is best for all of us. Uh, unfortunately, the questions that were sent in by the public, they're not too mocha specific, okay. um, but I think we can take a stab at some of the ones right, that were right. submitted. Um, Kai, he asked about a homeless encampment by the Hawaii Convention Center and under the bridge by the American Legion. Mayor mentioned this during um, the last episode of our podcast and some of the solutions with DFM, HPD, as it relates to possibly expanding Honu. But do they ever tap your office to help? The last point in time count... I had a large number of homeless individuals that identify as Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander. Uh, can cultural knowledge like what your office has helped in these type of issues? Well, I absolutely think the, you know, Hawaiian knowledge can help in these situations, particularly dealing with that population. But again, like Mayor always says, and we all know it's such a nuanced issue and the, the homeless population is is not static, right? There are people with all kinds of economic or, you know, mental um, stability issues, economic stability issues. So I think it's important to engage uh, cultural people because again, we all look to the white and I model, right? That they have done it themselves right. and it's been very successful. So how do we assure that we allow people to, to keep doing what they're doing? Because perhaps they do know how to help themselves. How does government then help them to help themselves in the way that works. Yeah, when you look at people like that, like, like Twinkle. Yes, exactly. What do you think made that model so successful? I think it's an Ohana model, right? So when you give someone a responsibility, like this is what you're supposed to do, they take kuleana to, to the highest level, right? So kuleana, people throw around that word a lot, right? It just means responsibility. No, it doesn't mean responsibility. Kuleana is something that you cannot ever get rid of, right? If I say your kuleana is to do your homework, Maybe you do, maybe you don't. That's not kuleana. Kuleana is like, this is your grandmother. Your kuleana is to take care of her. You cannot ever get rid of it. It's just something you have to carry. So to, there's another word in Hawaiian, which is called awamo. So when we think of kuleana, we think of awamo, which is to shoulder a burden. And that's really what kuleana is. It's heavy, it's not easy, but it's super important. So in those cases where you give people defined roles, like Twinkle emerged and started to say, this is how it's going to go. I'm going to take care of you. You know your role, do your job, and then it all works, which is something that works in a lot of places. If each of us do our little job, we're all good. And in Hawaii, we call it pono, right? Know your role, do your thing. And if everybody knows their role and does their job, all of a sudden society sort of runs, not without problems, but it runs because we all took our kuleana and we did it to the best that we could. I mentioned Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islander, but you also kind of have to be a jack of all trades, a master of Japanese culture, Korean culture, Filipino culture. I mean, the exhibits that you put on and then the sister city agreements that we have. Uh, how do you balance that? Is that difficult at all to be kind of this jack of all trades? Absolutely, I think. <laughs> but I think when you th when you think about that, we're Hawaii and that our job really is to showcase what Hawaii has to offer. I'm very comfortable in that space. And the Hawaiian culture teaches us that we have so much to learn from others. And when you go to other ethnic cultures, they're very much the same way they want to learn. So there might be some little misunderstandings here and there or things that you have to work out. But uh, generally, all of these sister cities really want to work together and understand Hawaii has so much to offer the world, really. And I think Hawaii has the key for us all getting along 
getting along the best and it has to do with kuleana but also aloha like they're not just taglines there are ways that we live our life and unless you're from hawaii or you've been here a really long time you don't understand the essence of aloha is i give you but also you must give me right you can't just take aloha from people i give you something you also give it back to me and then we have know your role i know my role and we're all happy i don't wait after like if you come to my house and you didn't bring anything but you came for dinner <laughs> nobody's going to say anything we're going to have a happy dinner but after you leave we're going to say you see how they they just show yeah. up and take but that's like that's aloha i mean at a very minuscule level but it's aloha you have to be responsible all right uh, two people sent in questions about the condition of our roads oh, dear. as you were working on word on the street campaign uh, were there complaints you received or work orders you put in say with dfm on things like pothole paver issues that were kind of near the signs things people noticed and then ended up in your, in your lap <gasps> hallelujah we didn't get any potholes <laughs> but i mean you would be surprised by the number of uh, street street sign things so it was really like i have no street sign and my street sign is unreadable it's been like this for 20 years and so i but i also like dfm is responsible for such a wide breadth of um, services i understand why like this thing might not be at the forefront. So luckily, no. And I'm so glad that we don't have to actually deal with the potholes, but I'll give you DFM's number for that. <laughs> we have one city worker that asked about the Hawaiian language classes for city employees. Can they still come to the second one if they miss the first or will they be lost? And similarly, say you came to the first, but can't make the second. Um, would you be lost in class number three or or anything like that? No, not at all. I think we are, of course, trying to build. So class number one is super important, but because these classes are sort of far and few between, right? There's like a couple of uh, version one in the first first semester, then second semester is another. There's such a long time in year uh, class number two, we're generally spending some time reviewing number one. So you won't be lost. You should just come and we're really, you know, we just want people to want to learn and the interest has gone pretty high. So we're just happy to see you there. Uh, this next one is from me. <laughs> What's your favorite um, olelo no eao? And then explain what an olelo no eao is. Wow, that's a hard question. So an olelo no eao is sort of a wise saying, a proverb, if you will, uh, that, that tells you how to live or, or teaches you some kind of lesson. Oh, gosh, there are so many good ones to think of. I would say one of my favorite, and it, it's heli kaina hekawa kekanaka. Right. So what that means essentially is Aina is the king and we are the or the humans are its commoner. The people are not commoner, but we are not just the outcasts, we are the servants to the land. So if you think about the structure of Hawaiian society, land is our older sibling, right? So we're supposed to care for them the way we would care for our elder sibling. We respect it, we we take care of it, and in turn the land does for us what an older sibling should do for us, which is to feed us, to clothe us, to make sure we have everything we need. And if you think about it, the land has always done that for us, right? We farm it, we build, we build out of materials from the land. But on our side, for Kanaka, have we done the same for Aina, the way that it has cared for us? And so if you think about the Hawaiian universe, I think this is, this is, this is the essence of Malama Aina. When people are talking about watershed and, and land, it's, it's a familial relationship. And if you think about land as your family, you, you cannot disrespect it. You, you cannot be doing things that are, are disrespectful to your ohana. And so I think this is one of the things that, that the world really should know is that land is, is familiarly connected to us here in Hawaii and, and we're cognizant of it. And we want to make sure that, that we malama it. One of the things your office oversees is the entire city art collection. Yes. 
uh, from paintings in the offices to the statues you see in Waikiki. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite? Oh, gosh. Uh, there are two, actually, two of my favorite pieces are actually in my office. They are from a photographer named uh, Kapulani Landgraft, and she does a lot of uh, art, which is reclaiming spaces. So she'll take a picture of somewhere and she'll inscribe on it by hand a chant that talks about what was there before this building was there. So I have two of those, but I think uh, one of the things that people know us the most for are the monuments in Waikiki. So the Duke statue, uh, Prince Kuhio, Queen Kapi'olani, uh, those are all some of, the, some of the big ones, and those are the most beloved by the public. Uh, so our office takes care of that, but not just that. Like Every piece of art you see in this office is something that has been vetted by the Commission on Culture and the Arts, and we try to make sure that we, we do art that is going to enrich the lives of people and, you know, they enjoy. That's what the art is really there for. And is there anything you want to talk about that we haven't touched upon yet? Yeah, absolutely. We are having our first ever Hawaiian language art exhibition. So one of, one of our, our tasks here is that we do community art exhibitions on the grounds of Honolulu Hale. And uh, our art curator, Marion Kadora, has, has curated a really cool exhibit that shows uh, some of the existing uh, pieces in our city collection to be uh, put down in the hale, but also new pieces uh, by a couple of artists, which will all be in Hawaiian, which will also have uh, labels only in Hawaiian. We will have English handouts, but we just want people to see that. like Hawaiian is a functioning language you can use every day. Uh, the art will speak for itself, but we will have English available. We're just really excited about uh, bringing Hawaiian language into the hale. So that exhibit, Word on the Street, the Hawaiian language classes, you're making the return of a Hawaiian song competition. This seems like a lot for a very small office. Yeah, you know, we're just a tiny office, but um, I think it's really important. And so if you think about what our office does, or even other cities or other states, you know, around, not just here, but around the world, they're not necessarily doing anything native or anything for native people of of that place they are charged with art and culture as culture of the city so you know music events and and uh, art exhibitions and things but in hawaii i think it's so important so i saw that what i viewed as an opportunity for us to to fill and so we're just doubling down on it because it is something that i'm passionate about it's something that the mayor is really passionate about and um, we feel like he's giving, he's giving us the leeway to go and, and do it. And I'm really thankful that this administration has been so supportive because I've been throwing these ideas and he's like, yeah, let's go change the street signs. And that's something that I thought was definitely going to get shot down. <laughs> well, Makanani, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And if you have any podcast questions for Makanani, the mayor, or any of the departments here in the city and county of Honolulu, you can submit your podcast questions to oneoahu.org slash podcast. And join us next week as we're back with Mayor Rick Blangiardi. Until next time, aloha. <laughs>